Hello. Welcome back, guys, to the New Growth Podcast. I am your host, Yvonne Inkiruka, and I am so glad to be here. Today, we have an amazing guest with us. Her name is Brittany Lango. Did I say that right, Brittany? You said it right. You said it very well. Yay! Awesome. <laughs> okay, so Brittany is not only a friend, a dear friend, we're going to talk about how we met later, but she is a teacher. Most importantly, she is a learner, a life coach, a seminarian, a wife, a daughter, a dark chocolate lover, and most importantly, a lover of Jesus. Welcome to New Growth Podcast, Brittany. Thank you. I'm so, so glad to be here. Yes, yes. Okay, so can you tell us who you are? Yeah, that's a huge question. So I'll try my best to encapsulate myself in a few sentences. Um, how about I tell you about the journey of my life from birth till now? Okay. In a nutshell. <laughs> okay, we're going to just go there. <laughs> so I was born and raised in Houston. And I moved away from Houston when I went to college in Atlanta. That is actually where Yvonne and I first met. And I thought I would spend the rest of my life away from Houston. After Atlanta, I moved overseas. I lived in Southeast Asia for three years, then back to Atlanta and to my great surprise, back to Houston. So my whole family is here. I'm glad to be here with them. I have a lot of interests. Uh, I'm super passionate about young people. I work with young people every day. And I know that right now it's a hardcore struggle for young people. So I'm in the, in the trenches and I love all types of beautiful, wonderful cuisines and beautiful, wonderful cultures. And that is why I married a cross-cultural or a non-American person. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. Fun fact, Brittany's uh, maiden name was Brittany Love. That's right. And yes. And that is a great description of who Brittany is. She is so lovely and she is so loving. And I'm so glad to call you friend. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's yes. That's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so Brittany, every episode, I always ask all of my guests, how is your hair doing? Okay, can I be honest? Brutally. Listen, so I'm a person who struggles with a capital S to wash and deep condition my hair as frequently as it asks me to. So it has been asking me, please, please, Brittany. And I have been saying, please wait. I have many things to do. So... My hair is doing fine, but it's getting cold outside and it really, really, really needs a deep condition treatment. Mm. Okay. So why are you, why do you think you struggle with that? Because I prioritize other things. I just feel good that I took a shower that night. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's enough for me. So mm. if I don't get to wash my hair, I'm like, it just is going to have to wait. What's your disposition towards your hair? Do you like your hair? Where are you at right now with it? I love my hair. Beautiful. So I've been natural since my junior year in high school. And at that time, I mean, I was transitioning in Houston. And Houston as a, as a city transitioned about five years later than Atlanta did. So <laughs> when I was transitioning in Houston, I was the only person in my high school minus one girl who had locks and another girl who was mixed and had mm -hmm. natural hair. So I was kind of alone. Eventually, mm -hmm. my whole family would follow me. Every single woman in my family has natural hair now. Um, but 
I was the only one in my family and it was a big deal. I got a lot of pushback, especially from the paternal side of my family. It was not okay. Um, but I've been practicing doing this hair for so long that I'm used to it. I do sometimes want something simpler like locks because combing my hair every single morning, not with a comb, hello, but combing it every morning, it's just sometimes a lot. It doesn't always agree with me, but I'm, I love it. I feel like it, it suits me. We have a good relationship. You know, we've mm. had a lot of practice with each other. So I'm like, this is it. This is my crown. I would love to pass on the exact same crown to my daughter, but it doesn't really work that way. Wow. <laughs> so it's so encouraging to hear like overall you have loved your hair. Yep. Especially because honestly, I have seen friends struggle in ways that I haven't. And so I appreciate my hair. Like my shout out to every person who is still learning what it's like to, to work with and love and, and do your hair. It's not something that's easy for a lot of black women. It doesn't just happen. A lot of us didn't grow up learning how already. So we have to learn how as adults, we have to learn what products. And then as things change, learn new products. And so it's a whole process. And it's been over 10 years. That's awesome. <clears throat> Ooh. <laughs> It was awesome. that awesome. I mean, it just took your voice. <laughs> it took the rest out of me. <laughs> okay. That's so great. That's so great. So this whole season, we have been asking our guests about transitions. What transitions have you been navigating through? So I've had a lot of transitions these days. Um, I have been married for about 10 months and our anniversary is coming up in March. And yeah, I mean, it's right around the corner. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And marriage itself is so far the most significant transition I've ever had. Um, and it, it just, it encompasses every single part of your life that used to be independent. And so mm -hmm. that's my that's my great big transition right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. Why did you want to get married? Why was it important for you to get married? You know, that's a really funny question because I remember when we were at Emory together, my second year there, I launched this movement within myself <laughs> to figure out why people ever got married because I was starting to feel confused about why you would want to take that kind of risk. That's what it seemed like to me in 2000. What, what that was like 2010, 14. 11, okay. um, like <laughs> around okay. 10 or 11. I'm wondering like, why do people even do this? And do I want to do this? And I started asking women that I trusted who were married. Why did you get married? Why was it worth it for you? And they all said something really similar that it's not easy, but it's worth it because you have someone to experience all the highs and lows of life with. And so even though it brings its own highs and lows, you share in them. And there's something really beautiful and special about it. And I have found that to be true also. So just wanting someone to share in all the intricacies of life with. And around the time that I was about to, like just before I met my current husband, I feel like I was actually starting for the first time to really settle into my life in a way. I was just feeling like, I got this. I have my first apartment. I'm like deeply connected in this church. I've got so many friends. I'm well supported. My family's here. 
all is well. I still wanted to get married. Hello. And sometimes I was still thirsty, but I just felt like, okay, I can do this adulthood. I got this. Wow. Wow. So you discovered the why, but now what was your vision of marriage before you got married? Oh man, my vision of marriage before we got married, I said, listen, I'm going to find somebody who is so passionate about Jesus and our day-to-day life. We're going to be doing ministry together. Like we're going to be serving other people. We'll have people like in our house, we'll host them and make them meals. And it's just going to be amazing. Man, I don't know if I thought we were going to be going door to door, like in the community or what, but I just was like, we're about to be like soldiers on the battlefield together, making it happen. This man is going to be covering me in prayer every day. He's going to be leading family devotionals. I mean, I had this super deacon, like a super deacon guy in my head. And he just was going to be like this crazy spiritual leader. And he was going to be calling all the shots. And like, he was going to be, you know, like, setting the vision for our lives. And I was going to be like, yeah, baby, I got your back. You know, that was kind of what I envisioned married life to be like. And I envisioned Mm. myself to be like this super supportive, awesome support. You know, I'm going to be helping. I'm going to be supplementing. I'm going to be making sure stuff is done right, which I'm really good at in life. And I mean, I'm going to still be working and stuff. We're going to still have jobs. But that was really my picture of marriage. Interestingly. (laughs) You know what's interesting? I think we all have these visions and expectations of what marriage will be like. And I and if I think about what has been my vision of marriage, I think there's a part of me that's like, my husband's going to be just like me and he's going to think just like me and he's going to want the same things that I want. And I think that's true for a lot of people. A lot of people want to marry themselves. <laughs> like, because you have come to know who you are and you've come to, I hope, like who you are. So you're like, okay, I, you, you would never say that, but I think internally you're like, he's going to think like me. He's going to be like me. He's going to like the same foods like me. He's going to, you know, have the same sort of values overall as me. And I don't think that's necessarily all true. (laughs) Right. It's not just not all true. It's kind of ridiculous. It's kind um, of ridiculous. <laughs> truthfully, we aren't attracted to clones of ourselves. And sometimes yeah. when people are too much like us, we don't like them, you know? Yes. yes. And so it, it's kind of odd that way. Like friendship is really not all about commonality, you mm-hmm. know? It's mm-hmm. also about intriguing differences. So I think when we find somebody that we really want to connect with, whether it's romantic or not, I'm intrigued by the differences. Yes. That's what makes me so curious about you. If it's like, yep, me too. Yeah, me too. That's not fun. Hello? It's not. Introduce me to something different. Okay? Yes. Yes. And I think that's such a... Yeah. Oh, I think that's such a great point that you mentioned about friendship, because if I think about our friendship, like we have some similarities, but we are very different. Right. You know, and and, and but the similarities, I think, hold our relationship together. Definitely. But that intrigue part, we can talk about so many different things <laughs> for hours because we love the dialogue of difference that takes yep. place between us. And I think Similarly, in a marriage, 
that difference can be, can keep the spark going. It's not exactly. just like boring. Exactly. Exactly. And the truth is there are always going to be differences. Yep. And so it's funny because when I was thinking through, you know, I think we all have a checklist of sorts, you know, thinking through, he needs to be like this, like this, like this, like this, right? His money got to be right. He needs to have this much in his savings account. He needs to have this kind of car, at least, hello, he can go up from there, but he can't go down from there. He, I mean, his car can't look like what mine looked like <laughs> when we got hello. married. Um, <laughs> and so just these super high expectations that sometimes don't leave enough space for a person to be human. Do you feel like you were prepared for marriage? Yes and no. Yes and no. So <laughs> I'm just imagining, so I'm not going to get very graphic and it's not going to get weird, but on, after we got married, and we went to our hotel room before going to our honeymoon. Our wedding was in the evening. I remember thinking, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and I just was kind of like, how does this work? And there was nobody there to be like, mm. first you need to. And that's actually a good thing because then you figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Then you figure mm-hmm. it out together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. our marriage has kind of been like that. Like that first night when I was like, what am I supposed to do? The good thing about me not knowing what to do was that I had to seek God. And that was really helpful to be like, okay, God, what's next? We've (laughs) run into this problem and I do not know what's going to help. I mean, he and I went through premarital counseling and, oh man, I was that weird person. Premarital counseling, I had dreamt it up, Yvonne. I was like, it was like a rite of passage. I was like premarital counseling. I was so excited. And honestly, Major was not. He just was like, how do I know that this is going to benefit us more than reading a book? And truthfully, he was so right. He was Mm. so right. Because we heard a lot of what we already knew. So being prepared in an intellectual sense where you know the information, when you get into an argument, it's helpful too. When you, when you're going to live with somebody, it's helpful to talk through chores. When you, so we kind of knew, but we didn't really know. So are you saying that premarital wasn't really that helpful? It's okay to be honest. All right. I have to just, I have to give a disclaimer that not all premarital counseling is created equal, but part of the reason why it wasn't as helpful for us is because we had really done our homework. So I would recommend premarital counseling to anybody. And to be honest, I would recommend it by a trained professional and if possible by an LPC, by a licensed professional counselor. Um, But I have another friend who got hers from a pastor and it sounded incredible. Um, But sometimes premarital can be a a formula or um, a procedure and not personalized, not intentional, not really focused on you your weaknesses. Because the thing is, you've been dating already. You didn't meet him yesterday. You didn't meet her yesterday. You know what some of your weaknesses are already. So it would have been more helpful to focus on those things that were already a problem, not like the theoretical problems people tend to have in general at times when they get married. You know what I mean? But like, Mm -hmm. we've got some actual concrete things that we'd like to sort out right now. That's why I would say 
going to an LPC might be a little more focused and a little more helpful for some people. Gotcha. That was my politician way of saying, no, not quite. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. in the way that I had dreamt up all those years. Yeah. All right. So you get married last March and first day you're like, what am I doing? What did I just sign up for? Where do you go from there? Where do you go from there? Well, we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Okay. Um, (laughs) that's where we literally went um (laughs) I think it is a day by day journey and honestly I had not created enough mental emotional space for a whole person um imagining those characteristics and those checklists those had not they hadn't given me what I needed to really understand what it would be like with a complete human with 30 plus years of life experience with years Mm -hmm. of trauma big ones and small ones with years of family processes family dysfunction and so there's no way to put that into the formula when we're calculating what this person is going to be like so what i had to do was take it day by day and learn learn him. I remember when we were dating and I felt like I knew I am going to marry this man. I started to (laughs) take mental pictures of him in every way. And what I said to myself was, I want to memorize him. I want to memorize him. I know it sounds a little bit odd maybe, but I just would stop in a moment and just pay very specific attention to everything that I could about him. And that is more helpful on this side of marriage to memorize him because he is who he is. There will be some growth and some change in a lot of ways, but in more ways, there won't be change because part of it is just who he is, Mm -hmm. just who he is. It's a good thing. It's just his design, his makeup, his operating system, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to memorize his operating system so that I can learn to navigate it with my operating system. That's what I've been doing, Yvonne, the last 10 months. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's really interesting you said that because I think a lot of people go into marriage thinking, yeah, this is great, but it's going to get better. Like he's great now or she's great now, but when they become my husband or my wife, it's going to get better. But the reality is I hear, you know, a lot of people say don't date potential date who the person is right now. Like, so if you don't like them now, if there are core issues now, (laughs) they're not going to change three months from now when when you get married. You are committing to your point to the person they are now and you're committed to loving them and helping them to grow. But if they never grow, you married who you married. Right. And yeah. Let me tell you why I said that. So there is a man, John Gottman. I really hope that's his first name. So Gottman has done some of the most extensive research on marriage and specifically on divorce. And one thing that he has found, he can predict, what he says is he can predict by 90 something percent, whether or not a couple is going to divorce or not based on 
observing them for five minutes. And specifically when there's a conflict. So he, he conducted a marriage lab and he would have couples stay there for a couple days overnight and would observe them. They were monitoring them, their stress levels, everything when they would have a conflict. And he was able to predict which ones would get divorced and which ones wouldn't. So I brought up the growth thing because in one of the chapters of his book, what was it? Seven principles for making marriage work, something like that. He mentions how most problems in marriage will never go away. And I used to think, man, that sounds extreme, but I'm going to give you a real specific example. So I am a woman and some of you have read the book. Men are like, what is it? Waffles. Women are like spaghetti. That is our mm -hmm. everyday life, right? So Major is not only a waffle, but I'm pretty sure that he's an ST if you're a Myers-Briggs person. Like, so my, my guess is that he's an ISTJ. How I married an ISTJ, I don't know, but I love mm -hmm. him and I'm an ENFJ. So <laughs> the thing is when, when I talk and I'm really into it, I will talk and Yvonne knows this cause we do it together about so many topics and subjects in a minute, in five minutes and men in general, from what we we've read, they're not super into that. They're one topic at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not super into that. Not on purpose. That's just how it happens. So I was telling Yvonne this story, what was it, yesterday that I was getting ready for work and we were talking about like these, um, our careers and where we want to go with our career and I was jumping around and I could tell that Major was a little agitated with me jumping around, which I almost always do. And <laughs> I noticed that as I was getting ready for work that day, he wasn't really helping me and he normally helps me. So I got so upset and I created this whole story in my head when I got to work. I mean, I drove to work mad. Like I couldn't even listen to my devotional because I had like these flames coming from out of my head. So I'm driving to work. I get to work and I'm doing my little duty and I'm mad, y'all. Until he texts me and he's like, hey, you know, I love you. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, OK, you know, love me. But you was... <laughs> You helped me this morning. You love me. You would have been there this morning. And, and I was five minutes late, but you love me. Okay. You know, so that's what I was thinking. So <laughs> I messaged him back. I said, I love you too. And then I said, I wish you would have helped me this morning. And then he said, what do you mean? I responded, usually you do one or two things. And he said, I'm sorry. I was running late, but I'll definitely help tomorrow. And I was like, whoa. He was running late. He wasn't trying to be petty. He mm -hmm. wasn't that mad that I was being spaghetti and that he is a waffle. <laughs> and so, I mean, it just, remembering what we're like, but also realizing I might never, I'm probably never going to become a waffle. He's never going to become spaghetti, but we can learn to communicate in ways that, that we both can connect with and make minimal assumptions. Mm -hmm. I love that you use that example and I want to take it deeper so oftentimes, like somebody's action can trigger something in our minds. And it's like, to your point, we make this whole story. I've been guilty of it. Like they ignore my text because da, 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 right? But it's really pointing to an insecurity, Absolutely. a wound. And so what do you think in that moment that was highlighting for you? You know, I think I was thinking, you want me to be something that I'm not. 
and that's not right. And you're taking it out on me. And you're trying to punish me because I'm not like you. And you don't really value me for who I am. Y'all, I'm in counseling. Hello. I've been practicing this for a long time. But <laughs> so that's that's kind of what was going through my mind. You don't really value me. And that is a super significant wound for me. It comes up pretty regularly these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I share that mutual wound. Like, am I valued? Do you value me? And so micro conflicts arise from yeah. that on my end because that is constantly a wound. That's a major wound that I had as a child, like not necessarily feeling seen. So I, I, I think that kind of is a theme for a lot of marriages where I'm just guessing I haven't been married, but I've been in relationships, friendships where somebody will do something really small that I perceive as problematic and I just create this whole story. And then when we ha- finally have the conversation, they're like, no, I did that because I was hungry. My hair was hurting. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing to do with you. Like, and, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. So much of marriage is realizing like, don't not taking it personal, yep. but it feels personal because you're intimate with this person and you feel like they should know everything that could hurt you. And they, they should adjust their behaviors according to your needs. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. So we expect people to read our minds. We wouldn't say that, but it's true. We want each other to respond based on what we're thinking and feeling, but sometimes we're not brave enough or assertive enough to say it out loud and to make it a request because we can't hold someone to doing something that we haven't said out loud with our actual mouths. And then when we say it out loud, I'd like you to help me in the mornings. Then we'll know if the person is willing to or not, Mm -hmm. but they can deliberately make that choice. So I know sometimes it can feel vulnerable for some people to actually say it. Because if I have to ask you, then do you really love me? Do you really care about me? If I have to ask for it. But honestly, that is unreasonable. If you don't ask for it, how can you expect it? Now, the truth is, if they love you, and if they can, if they can, sometimes we just can't do it, right? But if they love you and they can do that request that you're asking, that is how you determine. Not if they do it without you asking, but if they do it, because you've asked. There are people on the street that I don't particularly love because I don't know them. And if they ask me to do something that involves me changing my whole routine, I might not be able to do that because I just don't love you and know you. But because I love you and know you, when you ask me to change, sorry, to change something, when you ask me to do something, I can say yes, if I can. Mm. And we need to learn that no doesn't mean I don't love you. That's good. I, and you're you're speaking to something. And also marriage doesn't mean yes to everything you ever wanted. Right? Like oh my goodness. Isn't there to just do everything you want them to do and to be all the things you want them to be. Listen. And I would say big 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 warning to not I mean, listen y'all. Do Listen, 
if I could look at Britney of 2000, y'all, what's this year? Britney of 2019, 20, I think I would say, hey, listen, marriage is not about uh, your fulfillment, ultimately. It's not about all your needs being met. It's not about all your dreams coming true. This is a mutual relationship. And I would say for us, marriage is a space of healing, is a space of joy. Everybody has deep-seated brokenness. Even if you've been in counseling, like I have for years, everybody's got this brokenness. Everybody got, everybody's got these attachment wounds. Marriage is beautiful because we have the opportunity to rebuild those attachment bonds. And that is something that I can see in my actual marriage. So my attachment style, hello, is such that it's difficult for me when people go away. Um, I'm thinking, are you going to come back? You know, so healthy attachment is I know how to be close to you. I know how to be away from you. And I have that security that when I'm away or when you're away, we'll come back. When we're close, Mm -hmm. I can be alone. We can be together. You know, you just, there's this peace and comfort no matter what, but for some of us and for a lot of us, that's hard. For us, I've seen, for me and my husband, I've seen over these last nine months, we've both grown. We are both anxious, anxious attachment style. So I've seen us become a little less anxious hmm. when, there's, when there's a conflict, when something's going wrong, when there's some distance, because we know we'll be back. We'll be back. This is just temporary, you know? Like that Alicia Key song, we might have to take a break, but y'all know we'll be back next week, you know? Mm-hmm. So this we got a commercial break, but we'll be back. <laughs> we might have to take a break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you got to stay tuned because there's more to see. Unbreakable. that's awesome that is so awesome all right so what has been the biggest shock of being married Hmm. and it that could be like a positive thing it could be a negative thing it could be a neutral thing okay the biggest shock y'all sometimes superlatives are hard hello the biggest shock (laughs) so I think the biggest shock is my husband does not ask me to, he gives me space and doesn't ask me to be a superstar or a supermodel or a performer or, I mean, I I don't feel like I have to be this above and beyond wife. He gives me space to to learn and to grow. And I remember we were driving to, sometimes when I get really hungry, I start to have some extreme physical symptoms. So we were driving. I know, I mean, that's maybe kind of common, but we were driving somewhere and I just felt myself getting like a really bad headache. And I was Mm. so hungry. And I try and avoid being so hungry because it just doesn't end well. So, uh, we're driving, huh? Hangry, 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 hangry. Hello. And I get anxious. So (laughs) (laughs) 
we're driving somewhere and I said, Hey babe, I need to get something to eat. Like we need to stop and get something. And I just felt like I was trying to make excuses for why, why it was okay. And I was like, man, like it, it's really close. Don't worry. Three minute detour, not a big deal. Um, and he's like, listen, when you're hungry, eat. It's that simple. And I was like, you know what? Thank you for saying that. Um, because of those ways, I don't give myself permission. So the big shock is seeing how he makes me better. And I'm sure I make him better too, but because I'm me, um, <laughs> I really experience him making me better. Sometimes I don't like it, mm. but it's good for me. I'm a movement by myself. Hey, but I'm a force when we're together. I'm good all by myself. <laughs> but baby, you make me better. <laughs> that is so beautiful. So you mentioned that there is a cultural difference between yep. you and him. Can you speak to that? Yes. Yeah, so my husband is from Kenya. And I mean, he's actually from Kenya y'all born and raised whole life. <laughs> He's only been in the States for a handful of years. And I will tell you, I immediately loved it. I immediately loved it because I just love cultures. And that was part of the reason why he, why he was really into me. Uh, the first night that we met, well, he felt like he knew from the moment that he saw me, which is, I mean, you hear that on movies and stuff, right? But he's actually serious. Um, I didn't know from the moment that I saw him, but I'm glad he knew. So we were talking and he told me where he was from. And I just had so many questions. I was so curious. I was so interested because I love other countries and cultures. I love hearing the language. I love eating the food. I love all of it. And so he is from Kenya. His family is Luo. That's the same tribe of Barack Obama's dad. That is the same tribe of Lupita Nyong'o. Um, they are known to be proud people. They are known to be flashy. They are known to be romantics. Awesome. And it's a ball. He learned British English. So I have so much fun making fun of him and <laughs> correcting him. I'm an English teacher. He's an English teacher. <laughs> so we both have fun with English. I mean, we were literally reading an essay together about the English language the other day. So we're kind of nerds too. And we had a ball. <laughs> wow. It seems like there's a lot of joy present in your marriage. If you can speak to like a difficulty oh, that yeah. has been present, that you're like, yeah. you haven't mastered it, but you are working towards growing. Yeah. I mean, first of all, Joy exists alongside difficulties. So we have lots of difficulties mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we have lots of joy. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I used to have this counter in my head of how many happy days before something goes wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And I've started to do that a little bit less. So when things are too good and I'm too happy and I'm like, oh snap, oh snap. We're going to have a fight. Oh, snap. We're, something's going to go wrong. I can just feel it. I've started to release that a little bit more. And instead, I said, you know what, Lord? Like, things are really happy right now. Thank you for that. And when things get hard, which they will, I know that we can handle it. So mm -hmm. it's almost like a reframe. Lord, even if we do disagree, help us to manage that well. 
it's okay. Hello. It's natural. It's normal. So a difficulty. I'm like, which one? <laughs> okay. Here's one that seems petty and it's actually serious. And let me give a slight disclaimer to the Britney of 2019. I remember being at a panel of married people and they were talking about difficult stuff they experienced. Somebody brought up the difficulty of household chores. And can I tell you about my deep, deep frustration? I was so angry. I said, with all the stuff going on in life and in marriage, <laughs> you are talking to us about dishes. I felt a spirit of mollywop raise up in me because I was so mad. And I felt like they were playing us. The truth yeah. is, it takes time to develop a routine together. Sometimes it takes time to develop your own routine. So with another person, with another schedule, a different job, a different pace of life, et cetera, et cetera, developing a schedule together can be super challenging. Listen, so one thing that was really hard for us, and we're starting to get in the groove a little bit more, <laughs> is our weekends, how we're doing weekends. So on, on Sundays, we have church. After church, we were doing shopping and then cooking. And essentially, our Sundays were completely full. And it's just, it's exhausting. He works on Saturdays. I have a part-time job in addition to my full-time job. So we both work a lot and we also need to rest. So that was creating problems. And I'm saying it in the past tense because we are working on a solution, but it's not completely... We, we ha we're not, you know, airtight. So what we started to do was shift groceries to Saturdays. Mm -hmm. And that's been helping, but it has taken a lot to, I'm, I am, okay. It has taken a lot to iron out our routine, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to food. So mm -hmm. leadership, before getting married, leadership felt like, my husband is supposed to be in charge of everything. Mm. That is what I, I had come to know leadership as. You are completely directing the ship, okay? You are the delegator. You are the pilot, hello? And I am the oh. co-pilot. I am ready to assist. And mm. I've got your back, okay? But that is not what our marriage is like. So my husband is a leader and he's a good leader, but he is not what I had envisioned when I thought of leadership, because he is such a team oriented person. He wants to do things together. He wants to talk through things. And I think that is healthy. If someone is a little bit more directive, I'm not saying that that's a problem, but if someone isn't, that's not a problem either. So basically what, what we've come back to multiple times is each of us will have to be in charge of different sections of our family. One person cannot be in charge of all the sections. We're going to have to take ownership separately of different sections. And I'm saying it in sentences, but sometimes it has come out very passionately. Hello. So <laughs> <laughs> Figuring out who's in charge of which section has not always been easy. And mm -hmm. I don't like too much structure. I like structure. He loves structure. So mm -hmm. I don't like too much structure. Sometimes that brings some tension. So I've reluctantly taken leadership over the food sector, which does not mean that I cook every time. He's a great cook and he cooks a lot, but it does mean that I plan our meals. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Well, and, and you know, I, that's what I've actually heard, that it's the little things that actually cause the biggest conflicts, because those are the things that you don't come in thinking that will be issues. So yes. your guard is down and, you know, somebody, the way they clean a dish is annoying you. You're like, that is so inconsiderate. Like, why wouldn't you dry the dish mm. and put it immediately? Whereas you might just like dry the dish and leave it to dry, like in the, in the dryer. Um, but those little micro conflicts, if you don't talk through them, I can see how they can become bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can create storylines associated with them. Like Mm -hmm. you don't care, you don't really value this household, all those things. And so, wow, I can imagine that you constantly have to go back and, and be recentered and be filled up by God. And, um, yeah. So Brittany, you have almost been married a year at this point. What have you learned about yourself? So many things. Number one, I'm not as awesome as I thought I was. Hmm. And number two, it's okay to give myself credit for the ways that I do see growth and change and good fruit. So one example, uh, if you'd like an example. I would like you to go back to, I'm not as awesome as I thought I was. And people say that a lot, right? Like marriage is, marriage will refine you. Marriage will um, stretch you. Marriage is like looking into a mirror. And I can say that I agree with those things. Um, but really no one has been close enough consistently to challenge you with as much Mm. interest as this person has. Mm. (laughs) And so even staying with roommates, they are not at, they're not in your bed generally. (laughs) So, and they don't have that same investment Mm -hmm. in what you do and don't do that they are willing to challenge and push for your sake and their sake. (laughs) They've got skin in who you become too. So not as awesome as I thought I was, I am more aware now than I have been that I have significant blind spots and they are blind spots because I cannot see them. There are things that my husband experiences in me that I'm not good at recognizing yet. There are things that I am doing that I don't know I'm doing, but I believe it. So I am, I really value uh, the personality typing system of Enneagram. And that has helped me to understand things about myself and to accept blind spots within me and to recognize them when I see them. So he's familiar with it too. And so when he's seeing certain things, he knows how to name them. And we have a familiar vocabulary that we can both reference for some of our weaknesses. That's beautiful. And you mentioned number two was that you acknowledge the ways you are growing, which I Mm -hmm. love. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. So one thing that he brought up that helped him was, you know, Brittany, you are so quick to forgive. That really helps me. Um, I'm not used to that. And so thank you for always being willing to to forgive me and not harbor bitterness. I love that about you. That's something that he's he's told me along, like over over our months together and over our years together, um, even before marriage. And I can see it. Hmm. 
I can see it. And I can see when I'm not doing it too. <laughs> but just to recognize, wow, thank you, God. That is something mm-hmm. that I can see. And I'd like mm-hmm. to keep I'd like to keep that. I'd like to keep that fruit healthy. Wow. I love that. So there's a humility present. It's not just looking at yourself, oh my gosh, I'm so terrible. I cannot do anything right. But it is saying, okay, I've got some weaknesses that I can work on and I have some blind spots and I need my partner, my husband to help me identify them, right? And he's he's not out to get me. Yep. He's not out to accuse me, right. but he's there to be a supporter, believing the best in him when he does bring those things to your attention. But then on the flip side, it's not all about your weaknesses and what you're not doing. It's about how you are growing and how you do show up in ways that are helpful and beneficial to him. And I think that that is, that is a great recipe for growth and a healthy marriage, like acknowledging what you are doing, acknowledging what you, you could do better. Yep. Yep. And at our best, we have weekly meetings. Lately, our meetings have been suffering, meaning that we haven't been having them. But <laughs> at our best, we have weekly meetings where we talk about what's going well and what's not going well, uh, what might need some, some improvement. That's great. It's like a team meeting. It is like a team meeting. And I have on our calendar family meeting um, <laughs> so that maybe even, even as our family grows, we continue to have meetings about what's going well and what needs improvement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's so awesome because... If we have team meetings professionally, why wouldn't we have like family meetings to to know where we are, where we want to go? Exactly. How are you doing? What are you working exactly. on? Mm-hmm. How can I exactly. you? Exactly. That's pretty exactly. That's I, awesome. I love how you put that. Mm-hmm. I love how you put that. What do you think married couples need from their communities in order to be successful? I love when friends are honest, right? So I do think that we have to be careful about how we share and who we choose to share with um, because not everybody needs to know um, the grittiest parts of our lives. I think trusted and trustworthy people are allowed in those most intimate spaces, but I find it to be life-changing when couples are very honest about their marriage in ways that are specific. Um, Not necessarily detailed, but in ways that are specific. So yeah, dishes are a struggle, but that's not our only struggle. Um, You you know what I mean? Like we struggle with consistency in a lot of ways. We struggle with honesty. We, I mean, just, I feel so heartbroken about how some people have to, some of us, we have to struggle alone because we feel like other people are in perfect marriages mm-hmm. and ours isn't. And it took um, a really good friend of ours, Sade, who I think is an exemplar <laughs> Like at this. I mean, she is the most honest and not, it's not just honesty. It's that she's willing to share in detail about mm-hmm. her difficulties in her marriage freely. Mm-hmm. And that is helpful because it helps me to have a clear picture of what marriage is like for other people too. So that there isn't a feeling of isolation and oddness 
that we're experiencing something so unusual and so uncommon. No, nobody's experiencing something so unusual or so uncommon, not a single couple. And so to have people in the community who can say, me too, that's hard for me too. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that I'd like to bring up is a lot of couples struggle with sex um, for one reason or another. Sometimes when you take medications that affects what your sexual experience is like, sometimes your stress or anxiety affects what your sexual experience is like. And so it's very helpful to have voices saying, me too, after having Mm -hmm. my baby, before having my baby, with this life transition, sex was difficult, you know, Um, or whatever it might be. But I think it's just being honest, especially with those people that are that are right around us is helpful. Mm. Mm. What would you offer someone who is thinking about getting married? So many things. First of all, everybody's different, right? Everybody's at a different place. If this, if this were a person who is very young and not just young in numbers, but maybe just without a lot of life experience, without a lot of self-knowledge, I would say, you know what? Take your time and learn yourself very well. Let yourself experience experience difficulties in life. Let yourself experience life itself. Um, Maybe don't rush in. And what I'm telling you, my first six months of marriage, I had almost like a song playing in my head, fools rush in. I just was like, (laughs) there is nothing more true than that. Fools rush in. This is not something to rush into. Like... Mm -hmm. This is like, listen, rushing into a mob. That's just not smart, you know? <laughs> and I'm not saying things work out no matter when you start, how you start. I mean, listen, God can do anything, right? But when I was 24, 25, a woman told me, you know what, Brittany? I'm so happy I got married at 27 because I really got to know myself. And I will tell you honestly how angry I was that that woman told me that. I said, what do you think this is inside my heart? That's what I said within. <laughs> I was thinking, I've no, I've been with myself since birth. What do you mean? <laughs> I know me. Who else is going to know me? But she was so right. She was so right that there is a deeper knowing <laughs> that is beyond the surface and even beyond below the surface. There is a deeper knowing. If you're unfamiliar with the concept of attachment, There's more to know about you. If you haven't looked at your maternal and paternal family histories in depth, your relationship to each of those people who raised you, slow down and take a look at that. If you haven't paid attention to why things go wrong in your friendships and relationships, pay attention. I asked an ex before I met my husband, what do you think I could have done differently? Not that I felt like I had done something wrong, but where do you see, where do you see the potential for growth? How could I be better? And he told me something that really surprised me. He said, you know, things don't always have to go your way. Mm. I was like, whoa. (laughs) But so thankful for that. Mm. Things don't always Mm. have to go your way. That tells me, Brittany, you've got some control things going on. I need to investigate that. If you Mm. haven't at least done about five or six counseling sessions, do it. Mm -hmm. Do it. It's helpful because then you don't have to learn about it in marriage. You can be managing, you know, you can be healing, you can be growing 
the whole time before, during, before and during marriage, you know, um, that is what I would say. And then for a person who, even a person who does know themselves, know themselves, <laughs> if someone knows themselves fully or they feel like they know themselves fully and they're just ready to go, I think I would just encourage them in a sense to trust God and trust the process because I'm fully convinced that one day earlier is too early and one day later is too late. But this person, wherever they are, whatever they're doing is what they need to be doing right now. Wherever, I mean, when, when my husband major tells me about what he was doing before we met, I was kind of like, why were you over there when I was over here? But mm -hmm. all of that that he was doing was helping him to depend on God to find a wife rather mm -hmm. than depending on himself. So there's a whole process. We don't, we don't fully know all the details, but you just focus on what's in front of you, loving and serving those people in front of you. Put yourself out there, sure, you know, but become the very best you and don't stop, you know? Cause I know there are people like, I've been becoming the best me. I'm the best I can be. <laughs> you know? don't stop. Keep going sister, you know? Keep pushing. Thank you so much, Brittany, for coming by the New Growth Podcast. Before you go, I wanted to know, how can we, as a New Growth community, support you? Thank you for that question, Yvonne. This spring, I am welcoming a few more clients. And as a life coach, I can especially help with people who are making transitions and who are pursuing new goals, personal or career goals. And February, March, and April, I'll be taking about five new clients. So that is one way that you can support me. You can have me on your team. That's awesome. And let me just give a shameless plug. Brittany is on my team because we're friends and we're on each other's team. And I have gotten to indirectly experience some of her life coaching. That's just one of the perks. <laughs> That's just, <laughs> this is who she is. This is who she is. This is what she does. It comes out of her. And honestly, like she has helped me through some of the most vulnerable, the most difficult transitions of my life. And that's without her even trying. So I know that she would definitely be a benefit and a great support system to any of you who might need it. Thank you, Yvonne. I'm so glad to do it. Thank you so much for dropping by the New Growth Podcast. I am so grateful for this conversation. If there was something you heard that resonated with you, do me a favor, reach out to one of us, reach out to Brittany, her Instagram, will be in the show notes. And then you can also reach out to me. Let us know what you connected with. If you have any questions, of course, if you want to get coached by Brittany, hit her up. Also share this episode with someone within your network. Lastly, I would love it if you could leave us a review. Let me know what you think about the New Growth Podcast. And on that note, I hope you are producing new growth in your life. Until next time, I love you guys.